Notice the scripture is not in the bulletin. I could have read anything this morning, That's right. then, huh? And you'll notice I didn't know who was reading to tell yeah. what they were going to be reading. So you're going to First Kings, chapter 18, and you're reading 17 to 24. How's that sound? Okay. So that's 1 Kings chapter 18. We'll be reading verses 17 to 24. And when you've found that, please stand. And it came to pass, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal four hundred and fifty, and the prophets of the groves four hundred, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are four hundred and fifty men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answer, answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we uh, get into your word this morning, Father, I just pray that our minds and our hearts would be pure before you. Lord, that uh, we come here to worship you. And uh, Father, I just pray that uh, as you have sent your messenger to declare our, your word, Lord, I just pray, Father, that you would just speak through him. Speak to our hearts, Lord. And as uh, followers of Jesus Christ, May we leave here this morning with a, uh, a desire, a passion, more, more and more to, to want to fulfill your calling in our lives, Lord. Bless now the message we do ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, sir. Good job. We have been uh, walking through the uh, life of Elijah, and this is not... Detailed uh, in any way. Matter of fact, uh, we're going to be dealing with practically the whole chapter 18 today, even though we've just read a segment of it. And some of you who are visiting, maybe with us, thanks Thanksgiving time period. Uh, we're glad you could be here. See some of those college kids here, and it's a good thing. Um, we've been studying uh, since about May. Uh, we've been studying about the mind. And what we've been dealing with is going through time periods that we as Christians. Uh, well, our minds aren't focused maybe the way they should be. And this is for us to get our hearts and our minds back on Christ, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. 
It is about you and I realizing that life is not fair. That good things happen to really bad people and bad things happen to really good people. And we get so locked into our American dreams, our expectations of what we think God should be doing for us as an individual, what we think God should be doing, and sometimes forget He's the potter, we're the clay. God's doing something with us. He's developing something inside of us. And life is full of not just positives, as many of your TV evangelists are going to be telling you. Life is full of hardships, uh, confrontations. That's this one today. You, you think this was an easy thing for Elijah to do? How would you like to walk into the president's office this week and say, guess what, it's not going to rain. It's your fault. Walk out. This is not easy. And I chose Elijah. We could have gone to Moses. We could have gone to David. We could have gone to Paul. We could have gone, gone to so many people, the church, you know, the New Testament. We could go all over, but I chose to go through Elijah's life to show you and I the ups and downs that believers go through. And we are heading towards a, a real premier part of Elijah's life, not here, the, the zeroing in on what he's going through here, because today is one of those, everything's great, it's the encouraging day, and wait till next week. It goes right back down. He just dives about as deep is a believer can go. And so these are the things, folks, we have to learn from those in the Old Testament as well as the new. There's nothing new under the sun. There's going to be people that are going to disappoint us. Can you imagine what he is going through? He's not going to a lost king, a nation out there just wherever. He's going to God's people, the elect of God. He's going to the anointed king of Israel. He's not going to some heathen. He's going there and saying, you have messed all of God's plan up simply by going after another god whose name is Baal. Um, we're going to get the message done today, so I'm going to get into it because we've got a lot to cover, a lot of concepts. So if I make you a couple minutes late for your luncheon, I humbly apologize. And if you have to work and leave at you know, a certain time, it's, it's okay. You're not going to hurt my feelings. It's, it's okay. I understand life. But I want to handle this text today. There is so much depth in this text. Some of it is going to be elementary to you. To some of you, this is a brand new storyline for you. And we need to see it. And verse, yeah, we could go to the beginning of chapter 18. Um, there's, there is a man who's a really good man of God, Obadiah. And b to summarize 1 through 16, he meets with Elijah. Elijah says, you go to Ahab and tell him, listen, I want to meet with him. There's going to be a meeting, and we've got to cover everything that's going wrong. Obadiah's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you're going to send me to Ahab, and, and then you are going to say, oh, I'm so sorry. God led me to go somewhere else. You're going to let me hang, and he's going to kill me. Ahab is not a good king, if you can sense this. And he's like, no, there is going to be a meeting place, and it is now. So sure enough, verses 17 and following is this back and forth between King Ahab and Elijah the prophet. The first thing Elijah says, or excuse me, Ahab says to Elijah is this, oh, you're the guy that's bringing all this trouble and problems to Israel. Okay, 
Now we're getting into the blame game. Why would the king of Israel blame a prophet for all the catastrophes that it hasn't been raining, there's a famine, people are dying, this is such a negative time period, and sure enough he says, it's your fault. You don't understand who we are now. We're not just a follower of the old, we are following the new. We are progressive around here, and you're messing everything up. We have more going on now, and you're not following this. And so sure enough, he says, you are the one. So the sinner blames the righteous. You will find at times in your lives as Christians that you do the right thing by God's way, by God's standard, and they, the lost, are going to say, it's your fault. You're the bad guy. We always have to find somebody to blame instead of taking ownership for what is wrong in our lives. True? Okay, you follow me on this point? Because we all got to get this one. Because right now, maybe you as a husband are saying, yeah, if this wife of mine would just change things up. Or if my kids would just do this. Or if my husband would do this. No, 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 no. we're not talking about them. We're talking about you. We have to take an ownership of what is going on in our lives around us. And so by doing that, instead of going into the blame game, uh, he brings, as Elijah brings true blame now on what is going on in verse 18. Basically, he says, listen, you have gone away from the very commandments that God has given, and you have followed, as though he is your God, Balaam. Um, Baal, in the, in the Phoenicians' uh, lifestyle, in this Baal goes way back even to the book of Genesis, and you can actually see it flowing through in the same mindset in very, uh, uh, very few, but they're, they're out there, cults even today. And Baal is the masculine form of a god, and he's like the sun god. And then you have Ashtaroth is the female side, that's the moon. And so they decide basically to worship the sun and the moon, and they put names to them, and they become their god. And they give credit to Baal as the one who is their protector, the one who provides. This is the one they pray to, and they make all these idols, and they have groves, and the, they go and they worship them. And, and, and it's, it's a very, um, if I can put it simply, a very sensual uh, God. Okay? It's based on feely, touchy, makes me feel good. It's not based on morals. Like God has morals and standards. It's like, this is what you feel, you do this, and if you got an itch, you scratch it. Kind of the 60s movement. Are you, are you following me on this? Y'all with me here? Okay. So the blame goes, and he, he says, listen, this is truly what's going on. So to settle the whole thing in verse 19, uh, what, what uh, Elijah says is, gather all Israel to Mount Carmel, Get the prophets, get everybody, and I want you to meet me there. So we're not going to isolate ourselves to what is going to happen so that it can spread out by word of mouth. I want everybody to see it. Do you think Elijah knew what was going to happen? You want to talk about faith? He is, he is prepping this whole thing. He is leading this whole thing. And yet, you're going to see, he, he lays it out masterfully to show to the people, this is what God is doing. So, what happens is this. He comes to come Mount, this Mount 
is just, I guess, a real premiere. I've, I've not been in, or have I seen, but this, this mountain ridge, if you would call it in Pennsylvania probably, goes about 12 miles. And so this place on Mount Carmel is this particular place where all could be able to see and to witness as they will come on this side to look and to view and to see exactly what is about to happen. So verse 21. The Elijah and Elijah came unto all the people and said. Now this is his challenge, not to the king, but he has the ear of the people. And he says, why halt ye between two opinions. In other words, this is one idea and this is the other idea. They are if the Lord, that is Jehovah, be Elohim God, the one that's by the way the word that is associated with creation in the beginning God. He is the God that brought them up out of the land of Egypt. He's the savior, he's the creator, he's done it all. And if he be the one and only Lord God, the great I am, then let him be the one and follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Now I want you to notice the response of the people. And the people answered him what? Nothing. What are they going to say to that one? The phrase here, uh, why halt ye between two opinions? It's, it's an interesting phrase. The, the first word you need to understand is the word halt. It is a Hebrew word that means to be lame, to hop or to dance, like to skip. And it's not like you are in a straight line and here is the path, here is where you are at. It's as though you're going back and forth and you're skipping from one place to the next. There is mutability, there's changing from one to, to the other. It's, it's a back and forth. And he's saying, and, and another thing you need to see is it's as though they become lame and they cannot walk in the strength and so therefore they're unstable. So it's really a tear you down word. It's just not a positive for them. And he says, you are between two opinions. It could be, one man said, that they were doing their best to unite the two. That is, Baal and the God of the Bible. And let's try to bring them together and unite them, and you can go back and forth, and you can use whichever God you want in your circumstances. If you're in the mood to not have standards and convictions, then you go with Baal. But if all of a sudden your standards and convictions aren't going really good, well, let's go back to God then. And whichever fits the fancy, that's the one you go with. Sound familiar? Think we're seeing a little bit of that going on this day and age? Okay. So uh, the other thought is that they are, uh, it, the other way of looking at this, halt you between two opinions and going back and forth, it's like a bird. You ever seen a bird go up on a, on a branch, it lands, and it doesn't stay there very long, goes to the next branch, you know what I mean? And then it kind of goes back and forth. It's never at one place. That's the thought here. You keep going back and forth. Now, which one is it? Is it God of the Bible, or is it Baal? And you keep going back and forth. Um, you might want to call it a chameleon type of a, of a, of a person. That if they're with the Christians, they know the language of the Christians, they become like the Christian, and as soon as they go to the bar, they can change their language really, really quick. So it's like, which, which one is it? Is, is it going to be that, 
or is it going to be this? And you keep going back and forth, depending on who you're with, what your need is. And so he's saying, listen, if God is the one that saved you, delivered you, you look at him as the creator, doesn't he denounce those things that Baal would teach and hold on to? The answer is yes. Don't Baal followers denounce the things that God would teach in the Bible? The answer is yes. So how can you merge opposites? The answer is you can't. And you can't unite them. Christians, we are in a day of an attempt to unite opposites in the area of religion together like I have never seen before. Now follow me. There is a purpose for this. There is a reason, and you as Christians, and as long as I'm your preacher, I'm going to be teaching you these things. You need to know why this is happening now. Because right now you and I are the bad people. You know why we're bad? Because we're dogmatic. We say Jesus Christ is the only way to get to heaven. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody goes to the Father but by me. Jesus died on the cross. He's, he, he rose again three days later. And this is the only way you get to heaven. And you can't go through Allah. You can't go through any other man or a rock or a tree. You can't get to heaven through the wind. You know, you can't go through a rock. You can't go through the mysticisms. You can't go through spiritism. God is not a rock. And you can't pray to a rock. It opposes and so we, because we are single, the simplicity or the singleness that's in Christ, because we believe that, we're the bad guys. You are the bad guy. Because you don't understand what's going on now. Because now it is nothing singular, but is the multiplicity of the dynamics of how beautiful it is to have whatever form of God that you have, that we all unify and love each other together because you get to go to wherever you think you are going and I get to go to wherever I think I'm going. And doesn't that sound beautiful and romantic? To them, it's like, how could you oppose this? And Baalism opposes dogma. Dogma opposes the philosophy. And so here's where we're at. Ladies and gentlemen, as Christians, we are Christian because we are called by them followers of Christ. By the way, Christians did not give themselves that name. They were called Christians. They didn't say, we are followers of Christ. The world looked at them and said, oh, you're following them. You're following Jesus. And the world looked at them and called them that. By the way, even Baptists you realize they didn't call themselves that because they looked at baptism in a unique way than the Reformation, than the Catholicism, and so forth. Oh, they're the Anabaptists. Those are the people that baptize again because they didn't think the sprinkling was enough, so they baptized them again. And so we were actually called that because of a belief. In the book of Acts, they were called the people of the way. The way. You say, what did they mean by, oh, you walk that way, you, you do that. This is, this is what you believe, you're that way. Well, we go this way. And so this opposite, going in two absolute different directions, Elijah had to deal with that with the nation of Israel. You know what blows my mind? Israel looks at Elijah as the premier prophet of the Old Testament. Malachi said, Elijah is going to come back again. And they're like, oh, this is just so wonderful. 
Guess how Elijah came back again? If you read the New Testament, you will see that Jesus said Elijah has come back and he's come back in the person of John the Baptist who preceded the Lord Jesus Christ to make his way straight. Who rejected it? The Jews. How prophetic that they trust in a man and believe he is the one, and yet when the messenger came, they, as they have done so many times with the prophets, said, nah, I'm going through Jeremiah right now in my devotions, and that guy is in and out of prison. Just take him, and poor guy. And it was because, again, of Israel. And yet Israel looks at this and says, he's the great one. I guess they don't see themselves in the same shoes as the ones who have rejected the Messiah. <clears throat> Which side are you on? We can't keep bouncing back from limb to limb. We can't keep hopping around with what crowd we are with. There is a standard that God had. And there is a there is a new movement of that of feely, touchy, lack of doctrine lack of commitment, and I believe when the hardships begin to come, and they will be coming, that we are going to be seeing what true Christianity is and what a facade is. I have not seen a day and age of seeing Christians drop like flies, pastors, evangelists, missionaries. I have never seen a day in the 23, I think it is, years I've been preaching. I've never seen a year like this last one. It's been crazy. Crazy. And I think as Elijah had to come to the people, I come to you today and ask us a question. Not you, ask us, all of us, a question. Are we Christian? What is a Christian then? What does a Christian look like, act like, smell like? What's he taste like if you bit him? It's a joke, man. Just seeing if you were listening. If people would watch you and go with you in your life, would they see Christ? What are our activities? What are our, what are our lifestyles? Are they, as the New Testament talks about, the letter? seen and read of all men as they look at our lives. It is as though we are a walking Bible that they can witness and to see what is a Christian. Or we one thing on Sunday, something totally different on Monday, then something else on Wednesday, and then something else the next day. We have to ask ourselves a question, what are we? There is a call here to separate from the world, to separate from the lost, to separate from the gods of this world, and to realize that the Lord, He is God, and He is God alone, and there is none other, because God said, I will not have any other gods before me. So he begins, as we get a little further into this, so Elijah lays out the theme of how we are going to determine which one is God. Because obviously, since they didn't say, answer or say anything, it's just like, we don't know which one's God. I don't know. Sometimes we think this one's God, and sometimes we think this one's God, and we're totally confused. I've been witnessing to a young man. He's still trying to figure it out. 
he's like back and forth. You know, he's into mysticisms and all these things and horrible things happening with the kid. And then over here, he's, he's just trying to learn the Bible. And it's just like he's trying his very best to figure out, which one is it? Is it the God that everybody says is an okay God? Or is it the God of the Bible that everybody seems like they're mocking and laughing and saying, yeah, like God, one God created everything and, you know, all the dogmas that we have? Well, this is how Elijah took care of it. I want to highlight for later on what Elijah says in verse 22. He says unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. I want you to remember that. We're going to talk about that down the road. He says, this is what we're going to do. Let them give us two bullocks. And then, let, notice this, let them, that's the prophets of Baal, choose one bullock. Okay, you bring two in, and you get to choose which one you want to sacrifice. You know why he's doing that? Because if he brought two bullocks in, and he said, I'm going to choose this one, you choose that one, they would have thought down the road, oh, he had, he, it was a trick. He had this whole thing laid out. No, 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 you make all the decisions. You bring them wherever you want to bring them from. You bring the two, and then you choose the one you want, so nobody could say, he set this whole thing up. You choose. And by the way, this whole thing, this whole text is about you choose. You get to choose at all. And so, sure enough, they do. And then he says, listen, we're going we're to make an altar, and what I want you to do is I want you to call in the name of your gods, and it's interesting, he does say that, the name of your gods, plurality, and the world has multiple gods. And then what I'm going to do is go to my one God, who seemingly is outnumbered. He seemingly is overpowered. And you call on all the gods you want, the sun, moon, stars, you know, whatever you want to call them, and you call on them, and, and then the one that answers by fire, then let's say and determine that he is God, and this is when the people speak out. Great idea. This is democracy at the best. We get to choose based on fire coming down out of the sky from nowhere and consuming an altar. Sounds like a great deal. In their mind, do you think that there was going to be fire coming down? In their minds, do you think anything was going to happen? And the bottom line is, nothing was going to happen. They walk away and say, neither God proved themselves. Neither God came through. Not like Elijah wanted. Sure enough, the, uh, Elijah sets things up. Verses 25 down through, he begins to have these followers of Baal who dine at uh, the king's house with his wife. And uh, these are the men of prestige. Fully clothed with their priestly garb, they prepare the bullock, they have the altar. And they begin to call on the name of Baal. Keep your finger there. Look with me to the Psalms for a moment. Psalm 115. Psalm 115. I think as you we read this together, you will see the self-explanatory of this psalm. Verse 1. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now their God? 
but our God is in heaven. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. Now notice this, verse 6. They have ears, but they hear not. They even have noses, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, they walk not, neither speak they through their throat. They, you want to highlight this one if you don't have this one highlighted. They that make them are like unto them. And so is everyone that trusteth in them. If you are trusting a, a rock in your pocket to give you comfort and to help you through the day, you're about like a bag of rocks. Bottom line, that's what God's saying. If you are thinking this rock is going to get me in touch with the beings and, the, and, and things that are out there, you say, why are you, why are you even saying that? Folks, we've had them in our church. They've walked through these doors. They've heard these messages. And they give rocks out to people to give them comfort. You think I'm crazy. <laughs> no, this is America now. People want something tangible to believe in something that you cannot see. How can we have hope in that? And that's why we walk by faith and not by sight. It is not something tangible. It is the spirit, invisible spirit of God inside of us that enables us to do. Oh, Israel, verse 9, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, now he's getting into the priests. Trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. You are blessed of the Lord, which has made heaven and earth, the heaven, even the heavens. So all the way up through the galaxies, God has made, and it says they are the Lord's. Now notice this, but the earth hath he given to the children of man. There's your promise of the land for Israel. The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down in silence. But we, that is the living, will bless the Lord from this time forth forevermore. The command, praise ye the Lord. Isn't that a neat psalm? Isn't that awesome? Doesn't that tie together what's going on in Elijah's life with the Israelites who are trusting in Baal, trusting in the atmosphere, the sun, to be their God. And he says, stop it. But they begin to call. And they're calling on the God. I, I, it, this is so neat. So we have this big altar. We got the animal cut up into pieces, just blood all over the place. Rocks are there. The wood is there. But they weren't allowed to have any spark. No fire at all. And so they have this heap and they start jumping on top of it. Oh, Baal, bring down some fire. Bring it down to prove to Israel. You are the true gods of this earth. Call on them. And all day long, and Elijah comes over and says, you might want to get a little louder. Maybe your gods are sleeping. Maybe they need woke up. 
Something's going on. They're not answering. What's wrong here? So almost out of disgrace, they say, oh, we're going to prove. And they get their stones, their sharp stones and their knives, and they start cutting their flesh. And they start bleeding all over this altar to prove this is how intense we prove to bless our God and to show Baal how much we think he is God. And they cut themselves to prove it. We will park here for a moment. Do you realize in the last decade that that has become a routine of teenagers? If you did not know that, you may have done that as a young person, maybe seven, eight years ago. Now you're in your 20-somethings, now you're smart. Uh, This was an epidemic, if you didn't know that, in America. Matter of fact, there was a show where a teenage girl that Lori and I were watching actually alluded to her being the one she says, well, I'm not at least going around cutting myself. So this was nationally even spoken, and it was an epidemic. Hmm, hmm, let me think. I wonder where that came from. You think God wanted them to do it? Why would one... Someone, their God, who are they trying to get a hold of? Who are they trying to cry out to? Who are they trying to prove amongst themselves? Hmm. So they're cutting themselves. Oh, by the way, I got saved out of all that. Because I used to do it too. Back in the 70s. (laughs) Oh, your preacher. He was something else. (laughs) So they're calling, and nothing happens. So finally, it's, it's, it's now Elijah's turn. And it's, it's the time period, it's interesting, when Israel was known to go into their prayer time. It's the evening sacrifice is the time period. So this is about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So they got about maybe 5 hours of daylight to have this whole thing happen. So sure enough, it says, okay, that didn't happen. Let's get all this out and let's rebuild the altar. And he brings his wood in and he brings in his sacrifice, the one that they chose. And he says, okay, now dig me a big trench around this thing. Okay, it's not quite done yet. The wood's there, the animal's there, there's no spark, there's no fire, nothing going on. There's only one thing we need yet. I need water. Is there anything that's messing here? You need water. We're trying to make this thing light up. Yeah, 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 put some water on here. So they get barrels of water and start dumping it all over the wood and all over the animals, blood spilling all over the place. And people are like, hey, what is he doing? Hey, that's not quite enough water yet. Let's bring another douse of the stuff. Water's just flowing out all over the place. He goes, how be we do it a third time? Just douse that thing one more time. Water is all over the trench, all over the wood. Everything is just saturated at this point. It's interesting he had him to do it three times. It's a picture of life from that which could never bring forth life. It's a picture of the resurrection. Remember, this is the God of fire that's about ready to, to answer. Our God is a consuming fire. Okay? Fire has to do with judgment. has to do with purification. We have a sacrifice. We have an animal. Everything is here. Laid out what God had planned for Israel. And he's going to say, let me show you now. And it's interesting. I did it again. I forgot how many words Elijah says. You can get in your concordance and you can get online and you can do a word search and you can see about how many Hebrew words are said by Elijah. Just over 30 words are spoken. Okay? Remember the prophets of Baal were praying and praying and praying for hours and trying to get God to wake up so he would answer. About 32 words later on. We got to read it though. 
the prayer. Verse 36. I hope I found my place. <clears throat> came to pass the time of the offering, the evening sacrifice, the lives of the prophet came near and said, here's his prayer, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things, and I notice this, at thy word. Folks, what is about to happen is a sign for Israel because the Jews require a sign. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again doing the miracle. And that's all he says. That's it. He didn't have to cut himself. It wasn't based on time of prayer. Didn't have a chance to pray and fast. Just come to God and say, God, here's what's going on. And it's time for them to know, I'm your messenger. You told me to do this. You're God. Amen. <laughs> and that being said, verse 38, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones. Are you seeing this? Everything is being consumed, taken to ashes, and the dust, even that is gone, licked up the water that was in the trench. And what all, this is, look at the reaction. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. And this is what they said. The second time Israel was said in this text to have said something. And this is all that came out of their mouth. The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. He, they went from plurality to singular. They used biblical terms. They are now using that Jehovah, the great I Am, that sent Moses to Israel in the first place, He is God. Boy, wouldn't it be neat, just to prove to Elkhart, let's get downtown here someday, build us an altar, invite all the town, we'll call the truth, we'll call all the radio stations, say, hey, everybody come in, we're going to show you something. Maybe we'll get to an arena somewhere, and we'll just have everybody, and, and, and we'll have this altar and watch fire come down. That'd be really cool. But uh, God doesn't work that way in this day and age. It's not a time of the signs and the wonders. It's a time of proclamation of the word to work on the inside of man, the inner man. But Israel needed this to prove he is the one. Now I want you to remember what has been happening for the last years up to this point. For years, God has been waiting for Israel to come back. He had fulfilled what he told them in the book of Deuteronomy, that if you go after other gods, I'm going to bring famine. I'm going to give you a lack of rain. I'm going to show you that I'm God. I even control the environment. Whether it rains or not, whether it snows or not, you might get snow built down in Florida. You know, God can do whatever He wants. You know? He's God. And they needed to be shown that He is the God of even fire, consuming all. And these people fall down on their faces. And that's a picture of repentance. That they have now turned back to God. That God has given them repentance because of the sign to Israel. 
Now, all this time it hasn't rained. Guess what's going to happen next? It's going to rain. What do you think God was waiting for? God could have had it rain a year before. But instead, he had to wait to see the change of heart in Israel before the rain could come. So that's what happens in verses 41 to 46. Look at verse 41. Elijah said unto Ahab. So he goes back to the king. All this is done. I'm sure Ahab's jaw dropped you know, when he saw the fire come down. You know? And he says, listen, I want you to get up and I want you to eat and drink for there is a sound of abundance of rain. I hear it. Do you hear it? Do you hear it, Ahab? It's going to be raining soon. Guess what? Israel as a nation came back to God. And guess what's going to come back now? Rain. Rain is a picture of refreshment. Rain is a picture of the blessings that come down. And sure enough, the going back and forth until he finally sees this little cloud out of the sea and just like a man's hand is coming over. And sure enough, all of this rain came in abundance. You say, what happened to the bad guys? They got dead. All those other prophets that were cutting themselves and everything, they're not cutting themselves anymore. Instead, uh, Elijah says, listen, you saw what these guys were doing to you. Ask them. Take them out. And he brought all these, the prophets of Baal, in and had, to, had a massacre, basically. And he just killed the whole bunch of them because they were not supposed to be the ones who were leading Israel, and Israel let them do that. Old Testament is pretty bloody, huh? But there was a reason. There was a, there was a proof that had to be done. If we stopped right there with Elijah's life, you and I would stop and say, wow, can you imagine calling on God and fire comes down and consumes. Can you imagine the enemy seems like they are subdued now. Ahab the king is speechless. Everything's gone great. Seems like it's flowing really good. This time period, even, even in the New Testament, the sons of thunder. Remember that one time that people weren't receiving Jesus and, and the sons of thunder, James and they said, hey, why don't we just call fire down from God and destroy this town because they won't believe it. And Jesus like, oh, you know, now that's not the spirit we, we do it now. By the way, Christians, this is not the spirit by which we do things now either. I think some would like to pray down fire. But we're not supposed to. We pray a blessing on our enemies. The rain came down. Blessings came. Israel's able to eat again. They're able to grow crops again. They're dancing down the streets. I'm sure when that rain came, hallelujah, we've turned back to God. And look at the abundance of blessings that came our way by just doing the right thing. You think maybe in your life or my life, that's all that God's waiting for us to do is just to come back to God and to say, God, I've left you. I haven't put me first. I've been doing all these things without your control. And it's time to come back. And I'm not saying you're going to become a millionaire this week. That's not what this is about. It's not about the finances. It's not about things. It's about the internal part of us, the blessings that come our way the abundance of rain. Father, we've shared quite a few concepts here today. We've seen quite a few verses. 
We've seen the prayer of a righteous man that availed much. We've seen a nation respond. We've seen the separation from the false teachers. We've seen a nation come back to you. Lord, we would pray the same for our nation, that we would go back to the standards by which it was founded. It seems like we weep while the rest of the nation rejoices of these changes that we are seeing. And all that we see is that the clouds are drying up, the blessings that you want to give us, even our stand with Israel. You told us you will bless them that bless her. And you will also curse that nation that curses her. This is serious stuff in your word, Lord, continually. Help us as a nation. We as a church, we pray for the peace of Israel. We pray for your nation, Lord. We also pray for ourselves, Lord. We have seen this as an illustration of our own lives individually, the church, that we will not halt between two opinions. We realize in this day and age that we are Christian. We are followers of Christ. May we walk it. May we talk it. May we live it so others will see Christ in us. Help us, Lord, to change. Help us to be more like Christ. I pray that you'll bless, Lord, this invitation. In the quietness of this moment, there may be some here that realize they've just not committed and to put you as God alone. And they need to be saved. And they need to call on you as their personal Savior. The Lord, today will be that glorious day of salvation for them. Help us, Lord, this day as Elijah brought the nation of Israel to a place to choose. Lord, that's what this invitation is also. This is a time for us to choose. Lord, may we choose you, your word, the life, the abundant of life that you have for us. And I pray these things by faith, according to your will, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's stand together. Fran's going to play through a verse of invitation. And my friend, if you are here and you're not sure about yourself, whether you are saved or not, we encourage you to come. We'd be glad to show you from God's word how to be saved before you leave this place. We as Christians, maybe some decisions need to be made by us today. And you're welcome to come. Come down and pray. Uh, if you would like for me to pray with you, I'd be glad to. But please come to the center so I make sure that I see you uh, when you come down. And uh, be glad to do that as she begins to play.
Well, we're going to go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Gary Stump's going to close us uh, today. Trust you. Have a blessed day. And Lord, we'll see you back tonight when the doors are open. Gary, pray for us. Father, we thank you for this time to hear your word, to study your word deeply, and to realize that it wasn't only meant for people years and years ago. It was meant for us. And that through these studies that we will be able to live in this world and maybe bring others to know your name. Bless us as we go forth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.